0: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: They might talk about humor, music, film, books, football, and box sets, exercise, and maybe even food. Trivia and sports politics and health sometimes well-being too on the life with brian on the life
6: with brian hello and greetings from myself mark godfrey and my co-host here on life with brian matthew christ how are you doing matthew
7: hello mark good to see you everything okay
6: yeah, as well as can be expected. Um, We're going to take a short break to recharge the batteries before we launch ourselves and our glorious leader, Brian McLare, headlong into 2022. We thought we'd take a look back at 2021 and marvel at how we somehow managed to nail Chucky down to 19 episodes of the podcast. So sit back and enjoy some of our favorite clips featuring the special guests who joined us along the way.
7: Our very first guest on Life With Brian was one of Chucky's oldest footballing friends, Pat Nevin. In fact, during the chat, we learned that they were so close that they even used to compile mixtapes for each other when on international duty. So, how well could Brian remember the tracks that Pat had chosen for him back in the mid 1980s?
8: I've got a cassette case here of a music mixtape you made uh, and you gave to me. I don't know if you made it for me. I think you did make it for me. I like to think you made it for me because it helps me sleep at night. Uh, From 1985, right? That could be. Right. So, what do you mean it could be terrible? My taste. And you've you've handily <laughs> written some notes to each tune.
9: God.
8: Right. <laughs> Not each tune, but some of the tunes. Right. So, I'll read. Which is sort of links into what you just said there. It says, uh, "This song was released in this forum after I suggested it should be whilst reviewing record mirror singles." I guess what that is. Oh, I, you, This is the whole point of the quiz. Yeah, there you go. You have to guess. Hey, wow! Exclamation mark in brackets. Adrian also mentioned it in his NME singles yeah. review.
9: That will be waiting for the love book by the associates, and that will be the jumpy old. Hey, hey, hey Absolutely spot on. <laughs> I thought you couldn't remember anything. Remember. Music. Hey, don't ask me about football. Ask me about music. I'm alright. How hey, can you not remember? That's like that's word for exactly. word that. <laughs> I was very proud of that again because it's a great version of the the single and uh, I, what I didn't mention on that is that Peely and I have chatted about it as well that it should have been released so
10: that was nice.
8: This is a great one considering about what we're talking about where certain people live. This this is a this is track five, includes brackets the Randy Scouse Git Mix. I kid thee not. That will be wah. And that'll be
9: story of the... Oh, so it could be story of the blues or story of the Reds. It could be Come Back. I'd say Come Back by uh, what? Yes, mm. Come Back by the <laughs> Good guess.
7: So, okay, we've had first. Right. Hang we'll, on, Brian, have you finished or are we do
8: still one doing more. this pub quiz? One, <laughs> one more. One more, right. Let's, Determined get, to get This me. is just remarkable. No, I'm not. I just This is like... I'm so impressed by this. All right. This is track 10. It says, uh, is unashamed self-indulgence on my part? <gasps> That's nowhere near enough.
9: Oh, I'll never get that. That's what uh, it says. I'll, I'll never get that in a million years. And if it's a female singer, I do not want to know.
8: Right, OK, well,
9: better not <laughs> joke there from McLaren let's, let's move on quickly. <laughs> right, so come on, have we? <laughs> I first. I know precisely what it is. <laughs> but anyway. we'll, leave it. No, it's not, we'll leave it at that. Right?
4: When
6: Paddy Barkley joined us for episode two, we were treated to some wonderful stories like how Paddy once messed up Brian for Andy Cole to a verbal tirade he once received from Sir Alex Ferguson. In fact, we had to run the chat over two shows just to get everything in. Here's just a flavour of that epic discussion.
8: Paddy, you'll know, the uh, it, it reminds me of um, the tale about Arthur Monford. Do you know that one? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, Arthur Monford is from the one that I know. With him with a check jacket. Is that he, that he, no, he's, he's commentating on a game. It could have been a game of, I think it was Russia versus Scotland, yeah. because it sounds like that kind of game. At Hamden Park and you know that, that old press box that used to dangle below oh, there. Yeah, over. yeah, yeah. So the, the he would be in there doing his T V commentary while the uh while the while the um the dailies and the Sundays would be sitting round about him as well and he's commentating on the game and uh he uh, Russia scored a goal and he's sitting next to uh, Ian Archer, remember oh, Ian Archer? I, I loved Ian Archer, yeah. Yeah, so he's a bit of a lugubrious character, yeah, isn't a bit yes. laid back and a bit of droll, English, isn't he? English, accent. And then, great, a very in a very dry sense Irish of humour. And, um, and then Arthur says, Arthur in his very animated way, it's a goal, it's a, it's a, it's a, the Russians have scored, they've scored a goal, it's a fantastic goal for Russia. And he put his hand over the microphone because he couldn't work out which Russian had scored the <laughs> goal. His hand over the microphone and he turned around to Ian Atsu, who's lying back next to him. Watching yeah. the game, and uh, he says to Ian, uh, did, you, did you notice who scored that goal there? And Ian answered, turned around and said to him, Fuck the Fano. Yeah. And it's a great goal for Russia. It's <laughs> Fuck the Fano.
10: <laughs> 1 0
8: <nil> to Russia. <laughs> Fuck the <Tifano>
4: scores. <laughs> oh.
7: Brian's special guest on episode five was Ray Mead, musician and bassist with Ocean Color Scene and Jerry Cinnamon. Being a Manchester United and Chucky fan since you were a kid, the pair discussed how they first met, as well as how to send books to Iran, being a musician during lockdown, and Fred West's ice cream van of all things. But here's a tale of how
5: they once got Ray's dad drunk on a random day out in Glasgow. I think we, <laughs> we swapped messages on Twitter a couple of days later, and we did have a, a memorable second date. Indeed, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it was quite memorable. Well you, well, you can't not
7: divulge, divulge that information now, can you? You Both mentioned
8: this. No, they, there. They said, we that. No, they said, we, they said that uh, next time I was we we'll, we'll about would meet up and uh, we just would meet up. I think there was the second time wasn't it? when we met the in the pub. Your dad was there, wasn't it? That was, that the was that's
11: the day I'm date, thinking wasn't. of. Yep. And
8: <laughs> yeah, the first <laughs> proper date was uh, Raymond said, "Did you mind if um, if uh, he brought his dad along?" The, was yeah, it? Dad. Was this some kind of chaperone? Yeah. Was he? Yeah, chaperone. Yeah, yeah. worked well, worked out well that way with a chaperone because uh, your dad was involved at Albion Rovers, wasn't he?
5: Yeah, he was for for years and years. i he was a he was a chairman which is there the for...
8: football team in Cotebridge, uh, Matthew, which you all know nothing about.
5: Oh, I know, I know,
7: I know, I know everything about Bridge, You know
8: that. You don't know there's a football team there. Well, I do now. So It was good, that it was good actually, because it, it ended up that Raymond was a chaperone because uh, he never actually got the chance to say a single thing. Me and his dad just chatted about uh, football. And every time that there was a... And I kept kind of looking to give Raymond an opportunity to get in. And just as he was about to get in, it was a bit like uh, the Jason Higgins kind of thing. His dad would swipe him. Right. <laughs> No, no, so I'm talking, you'll get a chance in a minute. <laughs> and then um, after uh, six pints of Stella later, I think it was time for, uh, it was in the afternoon minute, so it was six pints of Stella later, and it was, it was uh, time for your dad to go.
5: Well, he went home uh, on the bus, and um, I remember my mum texting me saying, what, where have you been? What's happened here? Do you know what I mean? He was <laughs> it was upside down. It was hilarious, but no, nah, I, I think he enjoyed himself.
6: We welcome Chucky's great friend and former Celtic teammate, John Calhoun, on episode six to talk tales of the underground, the great VAR robbery and how the pair first met on a bus to Nottingham. They'll also test their knowledge of each other by revisiting their old shoot and match magazine interviews from the 1980s before playing a new game. What's the story? Player or Tory? This is going to take a little bit of setting up. Um <laughs> I had both Chucky and John on another podcast that I do uh, on which we examine uh, more closely some of the answers behind those old shoot-and-match player profiles that we talked about earlier from the 1980s. Um, both of you indicated an interest in politics uh, with a lean-in toward the left, which elicited an exchange on John's Twitter. lean-in. lean <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, and there was an, an exchange on John's Twitter, uh, which was accompanied by a photo of the pair of you at outside a Labour club doing a bit of campaigning, I believe, uh, somewhere in Ayrshire back in the 80s. Uh, and I'm going to put that Come. photo up on our Twitter account, um, even if just for the knitwear alone. So here's how you're going to play. I'm going to give you three names each uh, and you have to decide if they are players, current or former, or Tory MPs current or former Uh, and just to sort of the the thread in this is they've all got double-barreled surnames like I always feel most Tory MPs should have so Brian you won the toss and you're going to go first this time so your first person to tell me whether it's a player or Tory is Jeff Wren Adelaide player absolutely yeah he is a player good was that a guess or did you know
8: I can't reveal any of my sources. <laughs> Has Matthew been I'll just have to have got one, right? That's it. i on, on the table. Right I'll do. I can retire now. I can retire <laughs> from this game. we're going to make myself a cup of tea.
6: Right. Well, um, Jeffrey in Adelaide, uh, for those that don't know, is a footballer. Uh, he plays for Lyon, but he's currently on loan at Nice uh, and he's a former Arsenal youth player. Uh, right, John, for you to equalise, yours is Jeffrey Clinton Brown. MP. Oh, he's back of the net. Employee, yeah. No, back of the net, Tory MP. Current, the current MP for the Cotswolds um, constituency. Um, and um, whether this is a, a sign of uh, interbreeding or nepotism or what, but he's related to seven former Tory MPs.
12: Amazing, huh? Eh?
6: Amazing. Yeah, it's not what you know, but who you know. I think that's proven, isn't it? You know,
8: if, you, if, if, if they all got double-marrow names...
6: Well, I assume most of them called Clinton Brown, I would
13: imagine.
6: (laughs) Right, uh, Brian, you're next up uh, to go back in the lead. Uh, And yours is Aritas Akers Douglas. MP. Ooh, he's spawny git. It is that, isn't it? Tory MP from the 1880s to the 1910s.
10: I thought you might get this.
6: The eighteen eighties to the nineteen tens. Now I thought you would have thought this one was a player because it's quite a sort of a more modern sounding name that, but um supposedly
7: I mean, I he re- he, remem- he remembers it, that's why.
6: Um the the one we just did, his Tory credentials are pretty solid. Um the second half of his surname was taken apparently uh, as a request um in a late relative's will. Ah,
8: right.
6: Okay. Right, John, yours is Jake Forster Kasky. Oh yeah. He is a player. Maybe that was a bit easy. Uh, he's currently that at Charlton. Yeah, he's currently at Charlton Athletic. Um, and do you know how he how
12: his um, surname comes about? Did his dad play the Tottenham?
6: It, indeed, yeah. His dad is Darren Kasky. Is,
12: is, is Nicky Forster involved in there somewhere?
6: Absolutely, yeah. His dad's Darren Kasky and his stepdad is Nicky Forster, and and both of them played yeah. for Reading. So I don't know if they played for Reading yeah, at yeah. the time he was born or what, but.
7: I'm glad someone's actually playing this game properly rather than just, <coughs> just guessing.
12: You know, it's not... It's, oh, it's, it's, oh, it, it, it was. But to be fair, Brian did that with that last MP as well. He just didn't want to appear too clever. True. Mm. Well,
8: I mean, i well, yeah. got one of my specialist subjects, you know, Tory totally MPs from the 1880 to
6: 1910. OK, well, there you go. We'll see you on Celebrity Mastermind in the future, trying to pull a few more out your arse from nowhere then.
12: Mines will be the adventures of folk on Lycon because that's how far
8: Mastermind has fallen now. It has actually, and I get loads of questions right now. They must have fallen badly like <laughs> In fact, I'm starting to get the questions at University Challenge as well. It's just
6: Right, Brian, to get a clean sweep, yours is, uh, this is your final one, it's Ian Little Granger. MP. Again, is that one you knew, or just a stab in the dark? <laughs>
8: <No> <laughs> Listen,
12: he'll be on his fourth gang of strongbow. He doesn't know anything.
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is indeed a Tory MP, uh, born in Edinburgh, uh, but he's the MP for Bridgewater and West Somerset. Uh, and apparently, he's a great, great, great grandson of Queen Victoria. All right, John. To you know at least share the spoils and uh, yep. not let, not to let Chucky get away with just you know plucking these out of thin air um, your last one is Ian Thomas Moore
12: I'm going on the fact that, that you see, I don't want to just go to your alternate ones that use are three and three so I'm going to go but I'm going to stick with that and go as a player because it sounds a proper joined up working class name so I'm going for player.
6: Well done. I don't, it is. That's it. You're right. It's it's three three. Um, and uh, we're not going to go with a tiebreaker. But you're you're right. But he didn't start out as Ian Thomas Moore. Um, he's yeah. a former Tranmere striker, and he's the son of um former Tranmere player and manager Ronnie Moore. Um, oh. and he yeah, and he took he took the Thomas part of his name whilst he was still playing. Uh, but after he got married to his long term partner, and and the reason being, so him and his Misses and and the kids all had the same double barrel surname. So there we go.
12: It would be more impressive if, if, if Dudley Moore was his dad rather than, than, than um, Ronnie Moore, to be honest.
6: Although I've seen Tramia and, to be fair, Dudley Moore could have got a game for them.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Journalist Andy Mitton joined Brian to mark the 30th anniversary of United's momentous European Cup winner's cup victory over Barcelona in 1991. Sharing their on field and off field memories of the road to Rotterdam and that momentous match against the Catalan Giants. Not to mention a strange request by one of Andy's school teachers.
1: I was given £15 by a teacher at school and asked to buy a pornographic video for that teacher. I mean, you <laughs> look at it now. What? Yeah, I mean, you look now and you feel <sighs> it, it's so out of order. You were no. 17. No, How yeah. did you got promoted I'm, to head boy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no wonder maybe no wonder. Maybe that was the reason I didn't get the teacher's vote, because he was telling people, but maybe he thought, yeah, I am the man who will be identified to, to buy him a video. And you know what? I bought it. Did I you ever it. consider that it might have been a test? I, I think I just genuinely took it at, at, at face value. And um, he, he didn't even give me like a pound for buying it for him. and I didn't even watch it. We didn't even have a video. So was Sorry. this
8: in the was this in the back of your head that this might have been a um, uh, potential disappointment for people when you when you spoke to your mum and told uh, when she told you that she was so proud of you to be head boy, and you, you said that that not only that uh, you managed to get over and get back certainly get back to England and had met many wonderful people along the way, but you were bringing a present back for one of your teachers. <laughs>
1: My mother's an old Trafford girl and she's definitely not wet behind the ears, but I definitely would not have told my mother that I'd brought a pornographic video for a teacher. I just Uh, knew I was like (laughs) that. And I, I, I wouldn't have told
0: her. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: at LuckyLandslots.com.
2: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply.
6: When Viv Anderson joined us for episode eight, he and Chucky discussed working with Fergie and Brian Clough, as well as the first time they set eyes on Ryan Giggs. And they discussed getting into a dust-up with Norman Whiteside. But here they are, reminiscing about, of all things, the suits they wore on the day they both signed for Manchester United.
7: Who, who was the first one to put pen to paper, though? That, that's
8: the... Sure have I, have I think clue. it was Viv. I think it was
4: Viv. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have a clue.
8: Honestly, I wouldn't have a clue. The 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 um one of the, the, the things about the um but that day that we we got on really well from the very beginning, for some reason you know despite the fact that of Viv's uh, the dislike of the Scots, and <laughs> uh, that we had uh, both had the same suit on. Do you remember? It, no. Yeah, listen, we both. had... I, listen. I right, you do not remember last week
4: I don't remember what happened yesterday oh,
13: 20 years ago
8: <laughs> and well rest. I remember it. we both did the same suit from Slater's oh it... I remember
13: going to Slater's yes it's all coming back to me now Brian we, well we done both yes.
8: did exactly the same suit only in slightly different sizes
9: <laughs> yours was an extra large and mine was a very <laughs> small.
7: <laughs> is, is this in that famous promo shot of you and Fergie and uh, Viv <laughs> And every picture you see, it's in black and white. Yeah, I thought that. So, I, we were trying to find you know a picture say. of it. And you know, it looks you know, like it's from all. the
2: 60s. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. George Best and Bobby Charlton was next door.
7: <laughs> when Manchester music legend and massive Manchester United fan Manny joined us back in May, topics up for discussion included what he would do if Manchester City won the Champions League, an unfortunate incident with the main road carpet and Noel Gallagher's three left feet. While Chucky revealed how it was he that suggested replacing Tina Turner, simply the best, with "This Is the One" as United's walk-on music. Because I was thinking, you know, your your music, Manny, yeah, you know, with the roses, are sort of synonymous with United fans in that sort of early early '90s, late '80s, early '90s era. You know, I mean, that must have been that must have been a bit of a kick for you, you know, to be to be such a big red, and and to, and your music's almost like a soundtrack to a lot of United fans' lives, isn't it? Do
9: you know, what the the good thing of it is is. Uh... Every time the team comes out, they come out to this is the one, which is and I always think in my mind, well, there's another thirty seven and a half big going into Squire of Brown's pockets, man. But it's <laughs> a nice thing, uh, it's a nice thing a nice tie-in, you know, for absolutely Manic United fan to to have that. And also then to hear them singing I wanna be Edward on the uh, on the terraces at uh, Celtic as well is another very proud moment.
8: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The United ones down to me, so that thirty-seven and a half pence to both of them got they owe me down to that because there was a we used to come out to uh, Tina Turner, didn't they? Yes, for the best. I hate, I hate that song. Yeah. You no, know, so So we were, we were, they were looking to change it, and the, the Fergie wanted something like a song by Matt Monroe or one of the other crooners. You can't be coming out to... You know, something like that from Frank Sinato or or Mark Marno. He, he was really serious. He wasn't taking the place He was serious and I, and I, I think I just said to the, listen, this is a perfect song for us to come out to. This is a one, and that's been that's been the same uh, for for all that period of time. So, that's probably my best uh, the best thing at that I've ever achieved in my career. <laughs> so, so once again, Fergie uh, listens to McFly. Right? Wouldn't be the uh... He didn't listen to me. I just, just told him. I just said that the manager, I think I mean, I just said, you know, the manager said it was all right, assuming that by the time that he found out that that where it come from, yeah, it would all be set. You know, so, so by the time he found out, it was already been played a few times, and it, it clearly had gone down well with the, the supporters, and um, and the, and the players were inspired by it. So yeah. I think it was the right choice.
6: Legendary commentator Clive Tilsley dropped by to talk about his new book, Not For Me Clive, on episode 10, as well as commentating in empty stadiums during lockdown, the perils of social media, when it's appropriate to use the F word on television, and maintaining good relations with Sir Alex Ferguson.
0: I had a really good professional relationship with with Sir Alex. I, I say had, um, I, I've only been to him once in recent times and he was it was great we picked up pretty much where we left off which is you know part of the measure of the man um I I was fortunate when I took over as the the senior commentator that my predecessor the late great Brian Moore also had a very good relationship trusting relationship with him and in a way I don't think Brian spoke on my behalf, but I think I inherited that to a degree but perhaps more importantly I worked with Jason at Granada one of his sons and um Jason was actually for a while the voice in my ear, the director of the of the, the pictures of the match, the most important person at an outside broadcast. So after one of those games, uh, yeah, I was invited back to. Um, I mean, he's lived in, in that house for years and years and years, and um, moved I, after you were there. Yeah, I stayed overnight. I won't say where it is, um, but uh, yeah, I, I did stay overnight, and he came in rather gruffly. And I think he was off to watch the highlights and we thought probably better not best to go watch them with him just in case I'd said something or Jason had done something. But I, I mean, the, the book is, um, is framed around chapter headings, of, which are famous people, one of whom is Fergie. Um, but that chapter, as with the other chapters, is not specifically about him. It's not just a compendium of Fergie tales. It's that, that chapter really is about power about somebody in a position of power uh, trying to, to maintain and sustain that power in order for him or her to do the job to the best of their or in their way. And, um, I, you know, I think he it, the model of, of, that you lived through is very unusual in 21st century football. It's, it's, it's very rare, certainly for the team manager, to have that kind of power. Inside the uh, in the football club, but it was key to the way that Sir Alec managed you, and indeed managed me as an outsider who came occasionally into his life. Because I knew um, that if I, you know, if I if I broke the unwritten law, whatever it was, that I'd be banned. You know, I'd, I'd be banned from ultra. I wouldn't be able to work on Manchester United games. He had the power to do that. I mean, he, he kicked the BBC out over. Well, we can all barely remember what it was about. It lasted about eight, nine years, didn't it? he? Didn't wouldn't do an interview with the BBC against all the, all the uh, you know the agreements that they'd made, all the contracts that they had with the Premier League and therefore Manchester United. But he had the power to do that, and and you had to respect that if you were uh, wanted to work in his realm.
8: Well, that's because it, it it transgressed one of those things that you mentioned there that. Uh... They criticise a member of his family. Absolutely, it was unfair and unjust. And when he makes up his mind about a certain thing, then then it
0: sticks. To it. Yeah, I've got a list in the book, and we we all know who they they were. You know that I mean, from from Mrs B, uh, I mean, he, he quite liked David. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I was there as as indeed you were when really, I mean, great's an overused word in football, but. Steve Bruce and Mark Hughes had great careers at Manchester United. They were ended. Lee Schatz was pretty much ended in a, in a way. Yap Stamps was ended and he even admitted several or eight years later, he got that one wrong. Um, but, but, you know, when one of my very best friends in the world, um, who none of, none of the viewers would know, who had an extraordinarily close relationship and they didn't even fall out, but something happened, um, you know, around Rock of Gibraltar, Whereby he had he was given an ultimatum, basically choose, you know, do, do you want to stay with me or do you want to be with them? And um, yeah, that that comes from the power that he managed to generate, and indeed um, not just generate, but he he took responsibility for, and the, the club and everybody around him was successful as a result of the power that he had. So that 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 power genuinely was authenticated, and and so why you know why would anybody
7: challenge it at any stage. Comedian Justin Morehouse joined us in June to chat about his love of comedy and Manchester United, karaoke, as well as his, his successful appearance on Celebrity Mastermind. But here he is discussing how the cast of Looking for Eric were kept in the dark about a certain Frenchman's cameo appearance in the 2009 film.
6: Yeah, obviously the pair of you have had um, supporting roles to Eric at, some, at one time or another. Um, Justin, what was it like working with him on the film? Um, looking
10: for uh, it uh, you know what I, it was kind of so i never think of myself as an actor I'm, I've, I've always been really lucky at getting getting things on the little bits of it i'm not trained or anything I, I don't pretend to be a great actor but sort of ken loach is in town and and the sort of audition process was you have to go and meet him at friends meeting house you know the quaker's place behind the library on mount street and you, you go in and just chatted and he went, Oh, so what have you been up to? What what do you do? Where, where did you grow up? What jobs have you done? And you tell him all that, and he goes, Right, thanks. See you again. And you go out and you tell your agent, you go, I don't think it went very well. I didn't have to read anything. But he just gets to know he gets to know people and, and, and gets to know them. And then you do two or three different uh sort of chats like that, and then you, you meet some different people. And a lot of people he works with actually are from from Glasgow, like a lot of the production team and the crew like, uh, uh, they're all sort of like a band that I've been together. And then, so I get the part. And then one day he rings me up and he says, um, can I let you into a secret? And I said, yeah, I thought he was going to tell us he was like a Tory or something like that. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is just a character that I do. Uh, Lord Loach of, uh, of Nuneaton. And he says, uh, he says, Oh, we've, we've got Eric Cantona in the film. And I was like, "Fucking hell, now. Like, uh, uh, this is great. And he says, but no, one's going to know, literally no, one's going to know including the the lead actor until he appears on screen so that's how it happens so if you've seen the film steve Everts, who plays uh little eric turns around and goes um well what the fuck hell are you doing here and that was his reaction because he thought he, he heard this sort of like these french voices but we had like a belgian belgian crew and uh you know belgium it's just the french whales in it and uh he just thought it was uh <laughs> them
6: We welcome Chief Football Writer at the Times, Henry Winter, onto episode 12, and he spoke about Fergie's eloquent ferocity, youth development, distractions for young footballers, as well as an enduring love for Scotland. But here he is telling us about the mutual respect that still exists between Sir Alex Ferguson and Kenny Dalgleish all these years on.
11: And I remember being fortunate to write a couple of books with um, Sir Kenny Dalgleish, and the first one, the public, just after he won the title at Blackburn, and the publisher said to me, he said, well, we need a big name to to do the forward. And um, Kenny said, uh, Alec, he was called Sir Alex Ferguson, Alec said, uh, well, he'll do it. And I said, well, how's that? There's a chapter on your two, you know, your your feud between each other. He said, no, Alex is good as gold. He'll do it. So I rang up. Um, he was at the cliff at the time. And I rang up and he said, he'll ring you. He'll agree to do it. He'll write the forward. Uh, you've got three questions and uh, he'll call you early Uh tomorrow morning seven o'clock phone went and it's it's for Alex and uh, he said like right, three questions i got training I think it's probably about three hours until uh, until the player's coming for training but anyway um three questions said, so I said right what's what's Kenny Dalgleish like as a player and you know what he's like we've talked about his eloquence he spoke so beautifully about how how can he play the ball and it was lovely but it was about a sort of 50 second answer 200 words beautiful I was going this is going so well is it right what's your next question I said What's Kenny Dalglish like as a manager? And he said, well, listen, he's won the title at two clubs. You've got to respect that. I always found it a duel and a battle playing against his team, tactically, physically. Uh, and again, another 200 words, 50 seconds. I thought, this is just going so well. And then he said, Right, what's your last question? I've got training. And uh, I said, well, you know, Kenny, what's, what's he like as a person? And he said, he flipped a question back on me. He said, uh, well, you spent time with him doing this book. What do, you, what, what, do you, what do you think? And I said, well, he's got a close unit of his family and of Hanson and one or two other people. But but Mr. Ferguson, he doesn't have that huge, well, I perceive that huge collection of, sort of friends and associates that you do. And Ferguson went, you only need four people to carry a coffin, put the phone down. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, it was yeah. five in the morning. And I was thinking, I will never have a more productive five minutes.
7: It was a Dad and Lad special on episode 13. As Liam McClaire joined us to chat about growing up with a famous father, playing in the Manchester United Academy, his songwriting process, and breaking Shockey's prize on HS set. He also played three live tracks for us. But here he is recalling the day, his overhead kick ended in tears.
1: The lounge in our house when we were growing up was like this sort of do not go. Because you know,
8: everybody had a lounge, didn't they? You know.
1: Child free zone and <laughs> art. And I think it was decorated purposefully to be childproof because everything was white and glass and ornate. And just like you, if you even went in there, it would be obvious because either something would be broken or it would be like fingerprints. So I had a little football that I used to kick around. And then sometimes I'd like pretend I was like doing like a bicycle kick and land on the sofa. It's like doing my technique. And then one of them just like hit into this. I think dad had one, it's like a Sherlock Holmes ornate um chess set. And I basically got a strike through them all, and a few of the pawns lost their heads. I think and a few of the bishops, maybe. He was, yeah, it was pretty bad.
7: And I'm sure you were very understanding about that, Brian. You? you wouldn't have uh, chastised him
8: uh, too much. He, no, he got, no, no, I was raging. Did,
7: <laughs> did he get a hairdryer?
8: <laughs> he got a hairdryer. I, oh, I may have been, I might have been uh, held back to say that there was. There might have been uh, a little bit of um, protection from his. From his mother, you know. So that was, uh, but no, no, I was just, just. But uh, the, I, I've, I've got a lovely little note of the, the a little hand that note still from apologising to saying sorry that he'd broken the, the, uh, the chess pieces, you know. So yeah, um, but the, the look and out of some nice out of that thing about where I wasn't pleased about it because, you know. So you always be said like anything, you know. You tell children not to do things; they're they to go well. Why? Why can I not do that? You know, it wasn't as if the door was padlocked or anything like that, you know. But it was, and uh, maybe it was a, a thing that, that you shouldn't really have put uh, your chest set on the middle of the table. That's always going to be a potential problem for uh, for any of the kids, you know. To be not that not that the girls were practicing the bicycle kicks. I don't remember them doing that, but. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I've never uh, I've never got to replacing it right enough. That's something I've got. I've got the board. I've got two pieces that have survived, you know. So we glued them back together. To that. I mean they did. But uh, yeah, there was there's every now and again you would get annoyed with, yeah, with your with children and the things that they did. But overall, no
7: so you never venture back into
8: that, that, I know, that I there, again, no. Or? No, I yeah, of course he would be back in like nah, No danger no, would be, be back. Yeah i <laughs> would probably <laughs> do it again the next day yeah.
6: <laughs> after a brief pre-season break we were joined by Spanish football expert Graham Hunter live from his tiny bathroom for a packed show as we discussed Lionel Messi's departure from Barcelona being held at gunpoint whilst following Celtic, bullying advice from Alex Ferguson's wife, Dean Martin and more Tommy Burns tales like this one
8: um, he was just he was a wonderful person I mean did, just some of the things he used to come out with sense of humour is like, that the, the two of the funniest if not the two funniest people I've ever met in football are both Gingers that's Tommy Burns and uh, Strack you know they, uh-huh. they uh, sort of both of them are just so been so quick-witted and and then there were there were a partnership or a sort of second partnership again at Celtic where, Gordon was the manager and Tommy was helping him out. You know, so some of the things that are oh, it's just wonderful.
13: I, I've got nothing on Tommy's memories compared to you, but for anybody who's listening to your podcast who doesn't know Tommy, you can look at the football videos. But there's one that I've seen. You can go on YouTube and see Tommy at a dinner where he's where he sings a cappella Matt the Knife." I'm actually getting a, a bit emotional and he he's, he just stands up at a dinner and sings Mac the Knife, I think for char- to, to raise money for charity. And also when I was n- n- maybe 10 years in Barcelona, when Tommy died, I was sitting in my flat alone, a tearful, I have to say. Um, and for those who, you know, I'm not Glaswegian, but I lived in Glasgow for a long time. For those who don't know the Glaswegian divide or politics or attitudes, to see who carried... Um, the coffin and to, to, to see Starkey speaking at the cathedral and it just couldn't Billy Stark couldn't fucking get a sentence out without weeping and um, but Walter there and Walter speaking, Walter Smith the Rangers manager because Tommy unified people, unified clubs beliefs he he cut across everything and I just wish I'd known him better. One of the things about moving away to London was that I wasn't around quite so much in his command days and whatever they just an unbelievable man. Unbelievable. Life with Brian. Life with Brian. Boom. Life with
7: Brian. For episode 15, we welcome four-time snooker world champion John Higgins to delve a little deeper into the mixed results of John's TV quiz show history. A penchant for Chinese waistcoat, his dad's nickname for a Celtic great, a disconcerting introduction to Alex Higgins, not to mention a love of US soap Dallas.
6: Yes. Now we've ribbed Chucky about his brief and unhelpful appearance on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire as Sir Alex Ferguson's Foner Friend. But John, you've actually appeared on Celebrity Mastermind back in 2010. Uh, and Brian's already referred to it. But your chosen specialist subject was? Dallas. 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 Now, which, I find, you buy out
8: some stuff, don't
6: you? <laughs> that begs the question, why? Are you a super fan? I was a massive fan back in the day. Aye, massive fan. I think it was just on like every Wednesday night or something back in the day and you were Saturday.
8: Was it Saturday?
5: Was it was, was that season? You,
8: you should have been down the, the you should have been down the park underneath the shoot, drinking, drinking, not watching Dallas. Or <laughs> we home in time after I, doing that to go to watch I, Dallas? I
6: was told to get in at nine o'clock, so just as I was coming
8: in before I went in for up and Dallas was on, so I just became just and
6: I, so, massive That's, fan. Yeah. Well, um, you did brilliantly in that round, scoring 13 points. Uh, and then came the general knowledge round. And this has to be one of my favourite all-time mastermind moments. Uh, you probably know what question I'm referring to here. Uh, um, I'll be John Humphreys, okay? Um, what popular pizza that shares its name with a famous work by Vivaldi is normally divided into four sections, each containing different toppings? Um the answer is the four seasons. Um you said
8: four oh, Jesus <laughs> <laughs>
9: Scrambled.
6: Really was at that point it was scrambled. I think I just took in my whole surroundings thinking I'm actually here on Bloody Mastermind and and things weren't going so well. And yeah, my mind just went blank. So, in fairness, in fairness,
7: there is a four-cheese four cheese pizza is quite common. I mean, it's, oh, just, that, it's obviously that, just not that one, but I mean, you know, I'm partial to a quattro <laughs> fromage.)
6: Manchester United fan and star of stage and screen, Lee Boardman, emerged from his sickbed on episode 15 to talk about his time on Coronation Street and in Rome, including the indignity of doing nude scenes, puking on his first visit to Old Trafford, pubs in Reddish, Dealing with fame and being shouted at by Paul and his wife. Here he is telling that particular tale.
3: So I used to work in in a jeweler's. In um, this is like thirty odd years ago now. In uh, in Manchester in the Arndale Centre called called Sales, oh, no. um, and and Int and and he's <laughs> had, had a Gucci watch. And it was one of them Gucci watches. He had like the, you know, it has the Italian flag on it, the yeah. colours of like the green and the red and the, and he had this watch. And uh he came in and and I think he was getting it refurbed or something or serviced or whatever. And it hadn't come back uh in time. And it used to send away for like eight weeks at the time. They'd send it back to Switzerland and um and his wife came in with him and he came in shop and we were all like, that's Paul Lynch. Fucking hell, I can't believe it. And uh, we're all like jockeying to serve and she absolutely roasted the old place. She was absolutely furious. And he just kind of sta- he stood there like but he sort of just literally like she looked like she ruled, do you know what I mean? She absolutely ruled their house. And uh he just stood there quiet as a mouse and she absolutely gave it to everybody else. She was terrible that day. Um, I'm sure she's a very nice lady, but um that was my only experience of it. So from that moment, you know, I was always really careful when I had some modicum of like being recognised. That I was kind of, I had to just watch my p's and q's just in case, because I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to have a story like that about me.
8: Which is, which is so you learned something brilliant there. Is something <laughs> that you just tell that story it used to always disappoint me about my my, my teammates and, and sometimes our partners about how they, how they behaved, you know. Because we all come from the same background, you know. You, you're you from Reddish, Paul's from a shithole part of London, and so is she, you know. And uh, if their parents, where you usually get your morality and your manners from, found out you are behaving in such a manner, you would get your ass kicked, you know. Absolutely. Oh, you, and and it would be like, it because it's always a reflection on them, like how you're behaving, you know. Like how, totally. I, I, you know, and but uh, just relating to, to Paul and, and his missus, we were playing a game, a preseason game at um, Ibrox and in, in, uh, in Glasgow, and me being uh, very popular in that part of town, I didn't want to be out warming up, not that warm, but very much. But occasionally I would go out. I didn't really want to be out to out there too long before the game started. Don't mind. During the game, right? Because you're all part of playing in the game and you get caught up in the performance as you well, may well do when you're, when you're doing your stuff and all that kind of, particularly when you're on stage and you're, 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 you're in the moment and you don't know there's an audience there. So all you know, the boon and whistle and all that's not really real relevance, you know? So I went into the dressing room, right? And in the dressing room, too much to my surprise and delight, is Sean Connery. That's brilliant. <laughs> And I I go in and I'm like, I can't believe that I'm basically talking to... One of the first things my time of falling in love with film was was James Bond and Sean Connery playing James Bond. So I'm like, this is... What what a thing to happen, you know? So I have a little chat about... Just, you know, for me, you're barely a a, a god, you know? And the next person to come into the dressing room was Paul Innes. Now, Paul... Gave, this is one of the things. Another thing, Paul gave himself the nickname the governor. You know, usually, and I didn't give myself chalky. That came from whatever, right? Uh, he gave himself the nickname the governor, right? And got annoyed when people wouldn't call him that, and I never called him that. So he comes in to address him, and I, I don't think he's that sure about who this elderly, gentleman is, right? So you know, the manager introduces him. He goes, uh, "Sean, this is uh, Paul." Uh, Paulins, you know, and he, he turns around straight down to Sean Connery and goes, Fucking governor. Right? Oh, my sitting, goodness. I'm no. the other person in the dressing room, right? <laughs> you're sitting going, what The fuck are you doing, you know? And then, but the best part is Sean Connery he just looks on and goes, I think, young man, you'll find that that's your wife. <laughs> at least point he's just kind of looked and just walked past and sat down, you know, and I'm howling, laughing, thinking,
2: eh, brilliant. I know
8: exactly the same things, but you know that, that <laughs> incident you have, that wasn't the only incident in that, in the release, but she definitely <laughs> so, oh, yeah.
7: Did you ever, did you ever put him right? Did you ever tell him, you know, who that was? Or... No. Did you ever twig? No,
8: spoiler Why spoil it? <laughs> he's got like, no idea. He's got like, no clue he is. You know, he's just been, put him, he's been he's put him in a box and he's stuck the lid on him, you know. It's...
7: We brought Chucky back together with his old Arsenal adversary, Nigel Winterburn, for episode 17. But thankfully, there were no fisticuffs, just a good chat and a few laughs about their famous on field clashes. As well as that penalty miss in 1988, the famous 20-man Old Trafford Brawl in 1990, the lads also talk about meeting Nelson Mandela the Manchester United-Arsenal rivalry, working with Ferguson, Graham and Wenger, Anfield in 89, and their astrological bonds to one another. Let's treat this as your disciplinary hearing, maybe, and uh, Mm. let's have have both sides of the story. I
5: don't know know whether we were in the middle of it, because my recollection was, I think I I made the uh, tackle on um, Dennis. uh, And then I was... So from what I can remember is, actually, as I made the tackle and then obviously you could come in with your studs raised and my foot went straight across the top of the ball and I think hit him in the shin. So I was on the floor uh, and then I remember getting a good little uh, couple of kicks in the back uh, from somebody uh, and I was lying down and then everybody else was sort of um, piling in, um, I always call it handbags, a bit of pushing, a bit of shoving, Uh, and then the FA become involved but George Graham always used to say to us you know don't leave anybody on their own make it difficult for the referee to make a decision so he said like Mm. if one player's in trouble like everybody gather around. and so so, you know it's like everybody and I suppose with the you know the little bit of history as well before that with uh, United and, and Arsenal just that one seemed just, it only needed something very, very small to spark it off again. But I, I don't really know um, what happened after that. And I haven't, I haven't watched it again, but my recollection was of, of, the, of the tackle and then two, I think it was, well, I certainly it could have been one player, could have been two, but I, got, I definitely got two kicks in the back. But well, they were definitely uh, from
8: Brian. If you
7: look well, at the I mean, video, was definitely...
8: <laughs>
5: from... <laughs> well, there, you, there, there you go. He's got, he got his own back, so... so um, the thing you know, is,
8: yeah, you... Yeah, you get um, sometimes like then that that one in particular. And it didn't have to be very often because I'm pretty mild mannered and, and and offensive, you know, both on and off the pitch. But um, I just go into the red zone and yeah. you made the tackle that I thought was was unfair, and you were just lying there, and I just completely lost it, and I, I kicked you not once but twice. You know, probably the there fastest time, fastest <laughs> <that> I've <laughs> ever kicked anyway <laughs> fastest I've ever moved my feet, right? Ever moved my feet. And and the, the thing that you said about what I credit both sides was that uh Fergie used to say you should be happy he's playing today and how happy he's playing today because if, if anything happens, you'll be your shoulder. And mm. quite quickly, straight quite quickly, straight after that. Everybody piled in yeah. now. Uh, Michael Thomas had me by the had me by the throat. He's got his his mean strangling me. And uh Tony Adams is over his shoulder trying to try to grab me, and other people are piling in. And then uh I don't I don't know Anders Lumper, I don't know anything about him, but what he did was he came round behind me and punched me in the side of the head. See, I did I, I punched me in the I, side I, of the <laughs> head. <laughs> while well, Nigel's lying on the floor. Still. No, well, yeah, what, yeah, yeah he's on the he's <laughs> down line <laughs> down there somewhere. Like, I, I think I found it I think the I, safest place to I, be I just is gonna just say, lying a, on the line on the pit. It's the safest
5: place to be at that time. <laughs> <laughs> what I done is I didn't want to get in any more trouble or be blamed for anything you know? else. So and then <laughs> I thought the best place to do was lie, just, just like just play, yeah, just lie there.
6: There were plenty of laughs when actor, writer, and comedian Sanjeev Kohli joined us for episode 18 to talk about the success of Still Game and his character Navid's two-footed tackle. Also brought to the table was selling yeast on the dark web, working in the family shop winning Richard Osman's House of Games and getting a rollicking from Fluella Benjamin, of all people. Let's let Sanjeev explain more.
8: I'm I'm older than you, so when I came home from school, I used to watch everything that came on, right, from play school, Jack and Ori, all the way through things. And um, you, according to what my information is, got berated by a heroine of mine. Yes. Fluella Benjamin. Fluella Benjamin, Benjamin. true story.
2: (laughs) Have you been berated by any other? No, no. Um, I mean, uh, I've often because of what happened with Floella. I often imagine if I ever drew a cock and balls on a beer mat that Tony Hart would climb out of the telly <laughs> and give me a telling off. But no, that was funny. That was uh, I, I was at the um, the 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 Writers Guild Award. So we so I write Fags magazine bags with Donny McCleary, who's the funniest man that I know. So we write the show together. And got the first series, got nominated for all kinds of awards, and it got nominated for the Writers Guild Awards. But um, the thing is, we got nominated, but we never win. We're always the bridesmaid. And this has been a recurring theme for me. If I ever get nominated for anything, I never win. So we went down for these awards, and I'm thinking, let's just enjoy it because I'm not going to win. But it's just great to be nominated, you know, it's, it's good company to be in, you know. Um, and then we went, went down for it, and uh, we're up against two really good shows. And he said, and the winner is Fags, Mags and Bags. And I went, fuck me. And then I went up to the um, uh, to the podium uh, and I thought this would be funny. I said, um, I just said, fuck me to my writing partner there, but I won't say it up here because that would be construed as lazy writing because it was a writer's award and they got a laugh. And then um, afterwards, so Floella Benjamin had been there Um and Flora Benjamin who basically was everyone's surrogate mum in the 70s. She was like the queen of children's television. She presented preschool and other stuff. And she was basically everyone's kind of almost childminder in the 70s. So she's everyone like the universal mother figure. So she'd been there to present a kid's award. So she comes stomping over to me, she doesn't know who I am. She came stomping over to me and says, congratulations, but did you have to swear? And honestly, I just turned in, I was, I turned a six year old, I think I might've wet myself. I was like, I, 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 well, it wasn't a funny joke. And then she walked away, completely, totally had a, had a new one torn off me by Floella Benjamin. It wasn't a nice experience.
7: As well as telling us about the band's upcoming tour, The Wedding presents David Gez joined us on episode 19 to chat new music, his vinyl memories, the time he paid George Best 500 quid, and how he, like Brian, also received postcards from Morrissey. We can't have you on, David, without asking a question. I don't know whether you wanted to ask this one, Brian, but I'll uh, I'll ask it. Um, It appears there's two people around this table, and it's not me and it's not Mark, that once received postcards from Morrissey. (laughs) True or false?
8: (laughs) Well, yeah, I did receive a couple of postcards from Morrissey. Oh, did you? I I, I would like to still have them, but they they went missing during that. Flitting
4: what did he say? At some point,
8: you know. What did he say on yours? Then? Oh, I mine's mean, as far as I remember, complimentary about um, something to do with football, but um, it, it, but but and uh, in and the, in the typical kind of more off of the ball mm. kind of way, you know, more poetic rather than in little scribbles and dots. I would really like to have. I'd like to find little scribbles and things like that on it as well, you know. So.
7: So did he send these to to you, care of Manchester United? Or yeah, to, just did he know me, where you was, lived? Or?
8: No, no, I didn't. No, no. He wasn't skulking it wasn't, around. It, it wasn't guy. like the internet where you could find out where people <laughs> lived. No, no, I just sent them and I, I replied back to it because you, you're sceptical, aren't you? I mean, like that that thing about when you're asking about or the or the company are asking for evidence that it, John Peel did I exactly say this, you're like that. Ah, this is, could be some kind of just crank that's writing to you, you know. And then I wrote back. Uh, but, the, but the address was in Bowdoin, which I, which I know he did have an address in in Boden and Altrium, you know. So mm. I wrote, and then he wrote back, and then and there, there we just the romance just fizzled out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the reason I
7: asked David is because um, I saw a story in the in the press a few months back about how the there was talk of you receiving postcards from Morrissey or some kind of interaction between the two of you. And, uh, it was debatable to say the least. Well, well
4: that's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's funny that, 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 uh, that Brian said that because, you know, I, I, I did question the, uh, you know, the, uh, the authenticity of, of, of my postcard because it, because basically the story is, what was it now? Uh, was it
7: something to do with you being in the American Embassy or something? And
4: that, that was a different time. That was a different. Time. Yeah, this was earlier. I, th- I think you did say something in, in 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 the enemy or something, which was criticism of me or the band or something. And I can't remember if I reacted to that. And then, uh, but then I got this postcard, per- you know, from Morrissey saying you know, sorry for uh slagging you off in, in the newspapers that's what we do as pop stars kind of thing again written in the kind of flamboyant and he has very distinctive handwriting doesn't he
8: yeah,
4: yeah. Kind of weird yeah, of yeah. scroll. Yeah. and i had a friend who who was a big Smiths fan and she said yeah it's definitely morrissey's handwriting so then i so i was oh well that's quite cool i've got a postcard from morrissey uh <laughs> and I, I was telling people and then a few weeks later Morrissey was in the press saying oh and now David Gedge is saying he's got a postcard from me which he has you know I, I know not postcard so I am like okay well you know so, so yeah so now I don't know whether it was him or whether it wasn't him or, or not really but uh
8: Did I, you, I, have you have you not got the postcard either
4: I have got mine
8: I'm whether know. these postcards were like mission impossible and they self-destructed <laughs> after the <that pandemic>. time. <laughs>
4: I've no idea what I'm Oh, about. It was
8: Invisible Ink or something like that. It was just. I've got a blank postcard that might have been from.
4: So was yours a Morrissey picture on the front as well? Uh, the
8: there were There's there were pictures. No, there were. I think there were different. There was a couple of different ones. I don't think he sent me any pictures of all. Yeah. If, oh, if you ever
7: if you ever wants to send him one back, Brian, we do have our own. Uh... <laughs>
8: <laughs> Life with Brian
7: postcards, which I'm hold, holding up now yeah. for everyone to see. So maybe if you, see it. Well, mate, yeah. Have still I'll, got that I'll, address uh, in I mean if he's still, yeah, I
8: don't, I don't know where that is now. No, I'm sure that I'm sure it'll be on the internet somewhere, though.
6: Okay, Matthew, that's time for us to put our feet up for the moment. Uh, I'm sure you'll join me, and of course, Brian, in thanking the listeners for joining us throughout what's been another difficult year um it's certainly been a laugh and a distraction that's for sure and i know that that's what brian had hoped for the podcast when we started all those months ago
7: absolutely it's been great fun you think we we started this back in february and and pat joined us in march and back in those days we were all in lockdown we were sitting here the streets were deserted outside and obviously as the year's gone that's all changed for the better but um i think the podcast has kept everyone entertained whatever they've been up to um and uh i'm I'm really looking forward to what next year's going to bring
6: Uh, Just a final reminder to you to subscribe to Life with Brian, the Brian McClare podcast across all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Acast, Google, and YouTube. And you can follow us for updates and general chit chat on Twitter at Brian Pod. We'd love to see you there too. And we'll share all details about future special guests and new episodes, etc. So watch what you're doing and we'll see you again very soon. Uh, From Brian, Matthew and myself, thanks so much for your support. Cheerio.
1: with Brian, talking films or music. Life with Brian, talking TV and food. Life with Brian, talking trivia and exercise. Life with Brian, it's different every episode. Life with Brian, talking politics and football. Life with Brian, it's different every episode. Life with Brian, life with Brian.
12: Podcast Network.